0: You're listening to episode 111 of the Tennis Files Podcast with special guest Alexandra Mueller. With threats to our nation waiting around
1: every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. My name is Mirban Aranchad and on the show we interview the top tennis pros, coaches, and experts to help you improve your tennis game. And on today's show I was very fortunate to interview Alexandra Mueller. And Alex is a fantastic player on the WTA tour she is uh, playing a lot of doubles right now but she's excited to get back uh, into singles once again Uh, she has won actually seven singles titles and 21 doubles titles on the ITF circuit and she's been ranked as high as 280 in singles and 130 in doubles and she also plays doubles quite often with Sophie Chang, who is a friend of the podcast. She was actually on episode fifteen, uh, which it's really hard to believe—that's almost a hundred episodes ago. Uh, math is hard, so I'm not going to calculate that. <laughs> but um, in any case, uh, it was a great interview with Alex. Um, funny enough. Uh, we had been corresponding through Instagram and I had found out that she's also a big tool fan, which uh, tool is a, a great band, which I think you should check out as they make some great music. But uh, on the show we talk about uh, Alex, Alex's uh, journey from, uh, from when she was a little kid into uh, how she came onto the pro tour at actually a very young age, which I didn't know about. And she also gives us some really fantastic tips on double strategy, um just just general strategy like uh mental approaches to uh both improving your tennis and your life as well and she gives some great insight into uh the gear that she uses um you know strings tension uh, rackets and even some, some tips for saving some cash, you know, if you're a player uh, traveling on the tour or if you're, you're curious about these things uh, and just the hardships of, uh, of really staying afloat on the tour financially, which, uh, you know, we've mentioned, uh, this is going to be a great episode for you. You're going to really learn a lot about how to improve your game, and also about the ins and outs of the tour. So I really do appreciate Alex for spending a significant time out of her evening to uh, to record this podcast with me. So um, I think you're gonna really enjoy this one. So without further ado, here is my interview with WTA pro Alexandra Mueller. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. I'm really happy to have Alexandra Mueller on the podcast today. Uh, I've been corresponding with her here and there. I'm a big fan of her game and her, not just her tennis game, but her Instagram game as well. Uh, You know, it's it's really been cool following her and uh, she's actually uh, doubles partners with, uh, with uh, Sophie Chang, who I've had on episode 15 of the podcast, which was uh, a few years ago. Um, But I'm really happy to have you on Uh, Alex. uh, I mean, how's everything been going for you these days?
1: Oh yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, uh, it's been going pretty well. Um, I've had a pretty busy summer. Right now I have a little bit of a break before the fall season, which is not any less busy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I've been playing. Obviously, I've been focusing on doubles recently, um, and I've had a lot of success with that. Um, But I am going to actually start playing some singles pretty soon this fall, which I'm looking forward to as well. Awesome. So,
0: yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I was actually that was gonna be one of my questions. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll save kind of diving into that for a bit later. But I did read in doing some research on you, uh, that you are really into snowboarding. So what oh, yeah. is it about, <laughs> about, uh, about this sport that you particularly enjoy?
1: About what about snowboarding? Yeah. Um, well, I was actually I used to be way more into it than I am now, because I had um, a wrist injury. And ever uh, since, I kind of got a little bit like, gun shy you know what I mean about like falling on it and stuff um so yeah um it's kind of weird because I'm I'm really tall if nobody knows I'm like 6'2 so I don't it, it's kind of weird to like have like a balanced sport you know what I mean like people I don't know tend to excel at that who are smaller than I am um but I wasn't really like going for any sort of you know, a skill or achievement with it. It's just sort of fun. And I love the outdoors and, you know, snowy mountains are like kind of my thing. I don't, I'd way prefer that to a beach any day. Um, I don't know. It's just fun being out there. And um, it's totally different from tennis, obviously. Um, I had a couple friends that did it too. So it's kind of like a social thing. And I, you know, I just, when I had some time in the winter, it was always during the off season. And we kind of always made sure I got it in a little bit, but I haven't done it in a couple years, actually. I kind of want to do it, but I don't want to mess up my tennis career, you know, with something dumb like that. (laughs) Um, That wouldn't be the smartest thing.
0: Yeah, no, I totally feel you on that. I mean, actually – I remember during college I was playing uh, college tennis, but then I went with a couple friends to—I to, forgot which mountain it was—but I tried snowboarding for the first time, and then like uh, I fell once, but like I twisted my like legs in a weird position, and when oh, no. I fell, I I I swore I thought I like broke my ankles or something, so oh, like no. I, I I didn't, but like after that fall, I just said, "Oh guys, I'm just going to the cabin," <laughs> and I just like read wow. the front and back of like a Burton magazine for like four hours while they finished up so
1: (laughs) hey that totally counts right just like being there like that counts that's no warning okay like
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly but like you know I felt like you I just didn't want to risk any injuries Uh, like during my college career which you know your pro career is a little more important there but same deal um also just curious like were you are you able to do like black diamonds and things like that or is it oh I
1: I was like a, a solid blue square (laughs)
0: <laughs> blue square <laughs> yeah. nice nice okay that's cool i'm i'm, I'm yeah, green
1: i wasn't about to go on any like jumps or off any cliffs or anything like i was fully on the ground but i could just like you know carve down a mountain pretty well
0: awesome awesome yeah, that's yeah. cool uh um, yeah i just i enjoy being outdoors and like uh, on the mountain and just the, the great views but i usually uh ski these days it's a little easier for uh
1: oh, really? i've never been skiing i like yeah yeah it's but... it's way
0: easier and i feel kind of more free with my legs um but yeah. But, yeah, good stuff there, Alex. So, I mean, switching to tennis now, like, what is it about tennis that keeps you out there just competing and training hard every single day, pretty
1: much? Um, well, I think, I mean, I've been at it for a while, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so... I kind of just go back, you know, when I'm having tough days or something, or maybe I don't have the motivation to, because, you know, people are being honest. Like, it's not every day that you feel like, oh, yeah, I want to go to the track. I want to go on the court for, like, four hours. Or I mean, right. but you do it because, you know, you love it, and you remember why you started playing in the first place is because it was fun. You know, and that's why when you're a little kid and you play, like, you go back because it's fun. And um, I think, you know, when, when you're not doing as well or, you know, you're having a, a tough time motivation wise or something you remember that and how lucky and and uh privileged you are to have this as your job you know it's kind of crazy to think about it like that but um it is and you know we're all super lucky to be able to to do that um but I think yeah and when you think about like what keeps me going working hard is like um every time I have a win at all you know regardless of what level of tournament it is you know it can be the smallest level in a first round it can be you know a big wta tournament in like the semis or whatever like just that feeling that it paid off and like just that rush of like i did it i won like you know it's like that's what it's for like that's what it's all about and that's why we train like we do just because nothing is you know matches that at all and it's it's like it's like nothing else
0: yeah i love that i love that um i mean anytime i play a match and i win. Like, I also feel like kind of an, an endorphin rush and like, yeah. you know, even if I lose, it's kind of weird. I, I actually, in a way I'm like happy cause I kind of f- get to figure out like what, what I can improve. Um, but, but that's awesome. And also, you know, you spoke to a very important, uh, point and, and, uh, kind of, uh, you know, really way to go about uh, finding the passion, especially when you kind of feel like you're burning out. So uh, going back to like the, you know, when you were a kid, um, what's maybe like your first memory that, that you can remember of you uh, playing uh, tennis as a kid?
1: Um, well, I actually remember a lot when I was like just starting playing. Oddly enough, um, mm-hmm. neither of my parents really played seriously at all. Like they would just, you know, play for fun, just here and there. Like it was nothing, you know, organized or anything. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with like the Philadelphia area at all, but like um, I started playing at Philadelphia Cricket Club. It's like one of the mm-hmm. oldest clubs or country clubs in the city. And I just like tried a bunch of different sports. Um, nothing really stuck. I, you know it was weird I actually tried gymnastics which would not have worked out because I'm like not like <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. it's not um and I, I like just like hitting things you know yeah but I remember like one of my first lessons I wouldn't even call it a lesson I was like five years old and so we're just like you know you're just playing around but like I would stand at the net in, like, one of these little peewee clinics or whatever. And, like, I would barely, I wouldn't even be able to see over the net. And I would put, like, the racket above my head. And, like, we would hit balloons. And oh. it was so much fun. Like, I didn't even know that, like, you had to hit a ball eventually. Like, I thought that was tennis. <laughs> and it was, like, it was awesome. Like, I was like, Mom, I want to go hit the balloons again. She's just like, okay, fine. You know what I mean? Just, like, <laughs> And... um. Yeah. So that's like my first memory. And then I started obviously realizing that there was more attendance than just doing that. And then, you know, I don't know. I just, I loved it. It was like kind of my own thing too, since like no one in my family played. It was kind of like mine. So I think I liked that too.
0: That's awesome. Wow. That's such a cool story. I mean, you know, they have like this green ball, red ball stuff. They should start with balloons, you know?
1: It's like (laughs) for real. Like it's like, that's what kept me going. Not like green ball or whatever, like balloons. And it was like, like big ones too. Like it was awesome. Like you couldn't miss. So I think as a little (laughs) kid, like you want to feel like you're like succeeding, you know? Yeah. So I think like that was big. It was actually smart, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, actually really super smart because, I mean, they, you want the, the child to just, like, fall in love with the sport and enjoy <laughs> it at first. So, awesome. Love that. Um, and, and then also, I mean, you spoke to your first tennis memory. Like, when did you start uh, actually playing tournaments and how did that go?
1: Um, my first junior tournament, I think I was like seven I think wow. and yeah and it was like just like a, a local like district whatever um but my first match ever I actually got like a walkover like I won like, with a walkover Damn. and I was like it was like amazing to me I'm like that like I felt like I won the match you know <laughs> like as a little kid you don't even know but like yeah um that was my first tournament and then obviously I, I lost in the next round but <laughs> I didn't even know what the score was like when I was losing <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, thats my first memory of my first tournament is, um, is getting a walkover and then not even knowing when the match was over and when I lost.
0: Wow. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's, yeah. that's a very unique memory. <laughs> I, I've asked this question a few times and never got a walkover memory, but good stuff. Um, <laughs> and, and so like during your junior career, um, when was it when you started training like really seriously, like, and started playing uh you know tournaments like very competitively trying to up your rankings and whatnot
1: yeah um I think once I kind of chose tennis for lack of a better term um Mm -hmm. it was pretty quickly you know I kind of fell in love with it and there was no turning back I'm kind of like when I decide that I like something like I'm gonna go at it like you know full steam ahead and I think that that was um the case very early for me and um So I started, I played my first tournament when I was seven and then I was playing like nationals and stuff when I was like 10. So, um, I just like dove in and, um, I started playing, um, almost every day. And then I just was fully serious at like a really young age. And honestly, looking back at it, I wish I would have stuck with a couple other sports in there while I was pursuing tennis, just to kind of, you know, develop as an athlete, like a all around athlete you know what i mean like especially nowadays it's tennis is just it's insane with like the athleticism and what you need to do and what's required so i think like you know kids starting out and stuff and wanting to pursue tennis they should still play you know other sports too i wish i would have done that um but yeah like i really early on i decided to um to pursue tennis all the way and it wasn't long before i knew i wanted to be a professional
0: with my life. Awesome. I love that. Uh, So a couple of things from that. I mean, I guess one is to kind of reiterate, uh, it's really a great idea to have um, like younger kids and whatnot, like play different sports, just yeah. to yeah just to become to develop all those athletic skills you talk about like I've interviewed <laughs> some some players well of course on the podcast and like one I can remember is Tread Huey who played a lot of uh, baseball and and, and pitched yeah. and you know he has like a, a really live arm and an amazing serve so uh, and I think Never Tolova like plays a bunch of sports like still yeah. just to keep up but yeah um, so that's great stuff too I wanted to to ask you a bit more about the the all-in mentality which is like really yeah. really important and a lot of successful people obviously have this mentality so i mean did that mentality like did you just have that or like do you attribute that to coming from from somebody in your family or something or how did that attitude come about
1: um i don't really know if it came from anyone in my family it's kind of like something i feel like that was kind of you know just kind of my thing um Mm -hmm. but it's with tennis like i or with anything honestly if you're not Diving into it like 100% and devoting as much of your day and your time as you can. There's people out there that are, and so even if you are fully doing everything, there's still no guarantee, for lack of a better term, that you're going to make it or get to where you want to be because tennis is there's so many variables, and you know there's I mean you could get injured. You I mean there's you know there's so much that can happen. So I mean if you're not putting it all in there like it's going to be really tough to like, you know, if you want, if you, if you dream of having like a a successful pro career, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, totally. Totally. hundred percent. And so during your junior career, I mean, were were you, uh, were you kind of one of those players who was always just wrecking people and at the top of the rankings or were you kind of in the middle or like, how was that? uh, How were you uh, growing up on the junior circuit?
1: Um, When, I was I obviously I started playing like 12 and unders and stuff and I did like all the the zonals and the nationals and Mm -hmm. um orange ball and everything and I was really successful in that age group like I I won hard courts and clay courts and I got to the semis of orange ball and um yeah I did and then I moved up into like you know, playing. I played up after that. Like that was when I was like 11. I did super well and like in the 12s and stuff. And I was mm. like, all right, I want to just see what's next. And I moved. I did like Easter Bowl and all that, and like you know, hard courts and whatever in like the 18s and stuff. And then, I mean, obviously, I didn't have the success that I had in the younger age group. But shortly after that, like I, I turned pro and stuff after playing ITF juniors and everything. Mm. I turned pro when I was 15, so there weren't too many. Years in there, just battling in the juniors, you know, so um, I kind of had my eyes on what I wanted to do, like pretty early on. And I was lucky, I was lucky enough to have like my parents support in that, which, which I'm super grateful for.
0: Yeah, for sure. And wow, I mean, I I know you turned pro, in, yeah, yeah. Was it around two thousand three? Was it?
1: I, yeah, I was fifteen. So yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Like, what? What exactly? Like, was there a moment uh, in there where you like you you accomplished something, and then and that um, that caused you to to think like, all right, it's time to turn pro. What, that that's something I, that I, happened. I, What's that?
1: That you mean, like, so, like, okay, like now is the time, or yeah. now I feel like, like um. Well, I won my first pro tournament when I was 15 earlier in that year before I turned pro, and um, I was playing mostly pro events by then. Um, I know there's like a, there's like a restricted age rule; you can only play a certain number as a, a young woman. Um, mm-hmm. With that, you know that rule and stuff that you can only play however many right. before you're eight. But um, yeah, like I I was doing well even in like you know. 10k's and 25k's like I got to the semis of a 25k and I won Mm -hmm. my first 10k and I I was doing well and I just I loved like that environment I'm just like okay I'm playing this is my job like I can foresee myself doing this like for you know a long time you know Mm -hmm. like right and I just I loved every part of it and just like the traveling was just so cool to me and I just that's like I kind of feel like that's what I was put on this earth to do you know Mm -hmm. and I didn't kind of not grab a hold of that I know that, that might sound pretty like out there but like I just feel like it's kind of like fulfilling my destiny you know what I mean so mm-hmm. like that's what I felt and I was just you know there was no turning back there
0: <laughs> yeah no that is so cool like so I mean you were fi- 15 when you were uh doing really well in pro events uh, I mean that's obviously a pretty young age I mean did you did you feel any sorts of pressure or anything at that like at that young age
1: um not just whatever I put on myself you know, I didn't feel pr- any pressure, like, from any outside sources. My parents were awesome. Like, mm-hmm. um, my coach is great. And there's nothing like that. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, young kids, like, now, you know, you're always wary of, of that. And you've everyone's heard, like, you know, stories about, you know, too much pressure and all that. But, like, I really didn't, I didn't feel it, you know. Like, I just, I just, there's nothing but positivity, you know. And it was, I was lucky with that, for sure. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Good stuff. I I also read that your favorite service is clay. So I'm wondering, uh, you know what the reasoning for that is?
1: Um, well, have you, (laughs) that could actually change, um, depending on how I do week to Mm. week now, you know? Um, but I don't know. I mean, I tend to, I like clay because I am a pretty powerful player. That's how I try to play. And, Sometimes I feel like it gives me a little extra time to kind of set up for my shots and try to be aggressive. Um, Some people think of clay as more of like a defensive style that you need to play on that surface. But I try to um, still look to play on it kind of like a hard court, but I just feel like it gives me a little bit of extra time. I also, also on my, um, my forehand, I have a little bit of a uh, more spin than mm-hmm. um, a lot of uh, players. My height and stuff try to hit it maybe flatter, but I, I like to use different spins and try to open up the court and um, use a kick serve. I just like I like to use my angles, you know, and just mm-hmm. open the court. I think on clay it allows me to do that.
0: Love it. Yeah, I actually, I mean, we have something in common here. Yeah, I mean, my my favorite uh, surface is clay as well. I mean, I hit with a lot of heavy spin, and you know, it just gives you more time too to 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 swing, so yeah, yeah, good stuff there. um So, I mean, one thing with the tour that, like, you know, we've been reading a lot recently about is it's at least come to light a bit more in the media is like how tough it is to to really stay afloat financially, like on the tour. I mean, they're obviously not paying like a ton unless you're playing Grand Slam. So, I was wondering if you could just talk a bit about. Like how tough it it may be for you, um, and others as well to, you know, to to stay afloat, being that uh, tennis doesn't pay off uh, as much as like other sports.
1: Yeah, no, it's incredibly tough, and um, there would not be one player out there who would who would say otherwise. And um, I'm very very lucky to um, have parents who are fully behind me like they support me like Mm -hmm. they've they're just they've been amazing and their sacrifices they've made to allow me to pursue my dream have been just I can't even describe how thankful I am for that and the weeks that I don't earn enough um they have helped me out (laughs) um but yeah like that's obviously I don't want to have to do like you know I want to be able to like make, make a good living at this and um you know the tournaments help you with like housing and stuff, and mm-hmm. there's there's to um to play like pro-ams and earn some extra money that way. They'll maybe give you a little bit if you do some sort of, you know, st- stuff for the tournament like that. Um, but I try to save like however I can. Like I think tennis players are kind of experts about like penny pinching because mm-hmm. we kind of have to be. Um, we're kind of like permanent like college students trying to like <laughs> to like you know you know what I mean yeah. So, like yeah so it's it's really tough and i'm sure you've seen in um the new like behind the racket things i mean it's yeah. with everyone like it's, it's tough it's really really tough but it's 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 worth it i mean those like i said before like those you know moments where you you know win a big match or you know you come through something like that you didn't think there's any way you could you turn a match around you like you know get into a tournament and you end up like surprising yourself with how you do i mean it's it's really it is all worth it
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Pretty much one of the best jobs in the world. And yeah, I really appreciate your transparency with uh, how hard it is on the tour. I mean, do you have any other uh, (laughs) other like tips? Like, I don't know, maybe like uh, booking airline tickets is like there a certain day for that or like how far in advance do you book or like any other tips as well for players Um... to, to save cash, I guess.
1: Flights are hard because if you, when you're at a tournament, you don't know when you're going to lose, you know, so pretty much you're booking a flight the night that you're out of it for the next day. And sometimes that can work in your favor. Like people want to like sell like their ticket, you know, or whatever. I mean, they want to sell, you know, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so flights are hard to save with. I mean, people fly standby. You can do that if you're a little flexible and you have some days. I mean, that can save you. It's tough, but you know, it can work and try to. Not have to pay bag fees by like stuffing everything you can in like your racket bag and carrying <laughs> it on. Although I have been told that I can't carry my racket bag on because they are weapons, apparently. What? Yes.
0: Oh, I know. no. Is that just really? like a particular airline or what?
1: i don't want to name things <laughs> no
0: no no sorry yeah i just mean like it has it have you experienced that on multiple airlines or just like one? I have. Oh.
1: i had it at the gate and they're like they're like what is that and i had to like take it out and show them they're like no this could be used as a weapon i was like are you kidding me i'm like a tennis player i'm not gonna like if i okay really like i'm not gonna use this as like a weapon
0: <laughs> Well, that is kind of lame because I used to bring rackets on board. Like I remember playing a tournament in Palm Springs and I brought it, but that was like maybe three or four years ago. And that coupled with the fact that I saw a post from Gael Monfils and he had like a picture of like four broken rackets because he uh, (laughs) put it on, uh, what do you call it? He checked it in. So that's not very comforting.
1: (laughs) They broke them?
0: yeah yeah exactly i'm gonna
1: be checking next time i've just been checking it lately because i'm just like i don't want to deal and like now i'm just gonna be like so paranoid okay you should not have told me that
0: (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) but yeah check his post like he actually like calls out the airline i won't name that airline either (laughs) it's like what the heck happened but uh yeah okay well appreciate the tips there um and also like with your like you mentioned like side gigs and stuff like um, so you mentioned like proams. Like, like uh, I mean do you also get like uh, sponsorships like I've seen some really nice photos of you like do you like do any modeling or anything like what are some other sources that like you or other players might be getting income from
1: um, well I, I do some things like that but I don't get paid for that that's just for fun okay um, but like when I'm home I'll try to like you know do some lessons here and there mm-hmm. but it's hard to have like that consistently, because if you're working with, like, you know, a young child or, you know, someone, yeah. a high school player coming up, um, they want to play with somebody who is consistently there, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, who can work on their game with them or come watch them play tournaments. And, obviously, as a touring pro, you, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, so, that's difficult. So, I just – I try to do when I can if, you know, I can hit with somebody who – who wants to, I mean, that works out a little bit, but it's, it's super hard. Um, you know, when you're at a tournament, you, sometimes you can play a pro-am and you'll get a hundred dollars if it's a good one. Um, you can do, you know, school visits or you can do some things that the tournament provides like that. Um, but it's not, it's not a lot, you know, you don't, you're not making, you know, enough to make a huge difference, but you kind of have to have the attitude, like everything helps, you know, and then coupled with, um, smart savings you know it helps it does um yeah but it, it's hard no matter how you slice it
0: yeah i hear you nice pun there by the way well done <laughs> <laughs> um but but so um as far as like uh managing like where you go uh for tournaments because i know I've, of course like well i wouldn't say always but domestically like often it's uh, cheaper uh, but then like going abroad sometimes like the points mm-hmm. are or you know c- could be easier to pick up so how do you yeah. kind of balance that
1: um well i honestly there are enough tournaments in the states to play a full year you nice. know like there's um so financially yeah that's way helpful super helpful it's like a lot of tournaments you can go a couple months together just driving to them because they're not far away from each other and that obviously helps um but yeah i've heard that there are opportunities abroad um with you know maybe the field being a bit weaker yeah Um, so if you you know I, i would just say if you like are playing well and you're like um feeling sharp and you know you want to like you know make a um make a trip like that and you're you feel like it'll pay off and fully do it you know like Last year, um I went over to England for the grass. and um it's it was an amazing experience. Um the grass was interesting, um, but it was awesome. Like, I think about it all the time, and I'm like, I'm super happy I went and did this, you know, so it's it's stuff not only that's good for your career, but stuff that you remember in your life, too, you know,
0: yeah, for sure, just the traveling experiences. actually, I remember i, I, I well, I can't remember who I was interviewing on the podcast, but uh, we were talking about this subject, and then I said, "Oh yeah, I'm actually traveling to Tanzania in a couple of months to try yeah, to yeah. pick pick up points." But uh, I was just totally joking, and <laughs> yeah. and so uh, yeah, but I fooled them. So, um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, as far as like uh, you you mentioned that you aren't you, you weren't playing as as much singles, and I, I did notice that when I checked your uh, your like previous tournaments uh, plates, I was wondering like. At, were you trying to concentrate more on doubles, and um, and now like you you decided to play more singles, or how? Why was that? Why was yeah. there a little gap there?
1: Um, last year, I was earlier in the year. I was still playing some singles, and then um, I started. It wasn't like a conscious choice to just be like, okay, I'm focusing on doubles now. Like it wasn't like that. Like I was playing, you know, singles and doubles in every tournament, and I started doing better in doubles. Um, and the schedule was last year where if you would reach the final or the semi or the final of a doubles tournament, it would overlap with the qualifying for singles the next week. Mm -hmm. So you would have to skip that. So I kind of went on like a a good, it was a good thing because I was doing well in in the doubles, but Mm -hmm. I had to skip a bunch of singles tournaments, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I was kind of, um, getting into bigger doubles tournaments with my ranking because I was doing well and ones that I couldn't necessarily get into, with my singles ranking so that's kind of how that evolved mm-hmm. uh, and then by the end of the year i was pretty much just focused on doubles and i rolled into this year mm-hmm. doing the same um but honestly now thinking about it um i think playing singles can actually help your doubles too and that's kind of what i'm you know thinking about like you, singles just you're obviously covering much more of the court you're playing just all over the place you know mm-hmm. you're you're still you know, looking to move forward if you're an aggressive player. So I mm-hmm. think that will help my doubles game. And also I miss playing singles. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm excited actually. I, I was, I'm going to be playing singles the next couple of weeks. So, yeah.
0: Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. And obviously we'll be uh, rooting for you. Yeah. It's it's great. I mean, you're going to get a lot more reps, of course, playing singles. Um, yeah. and, and so like when we talk about singles and doubles, like what are some of the main adjustments that you need to, to make like let's say when you're transitioning from doubles to uh now singles
1: um well there's a lot more movement involved so you have to like i have like in my practices lately i've been doing more like court coverage stuff you Mm -hmm. know because at doubles you're kind of just focused on like up and back movement not so much like side to side Mm -hmm. so i've been kind of doing more drills like that recently um doubles is still like obviously a huge part of like my career focus but i just i want to just kind of do everything, you know, while, I, while I'm playing. I want to be able to say, you know, I'm, I, I don't know. I just I just don't want to, like, skip singles anymore. Um, sure. So, yeah, and I've been just doing a lot more, like, footwork. And and you kind of just, like, change up the pace a lot. Like, when you're playing singles, the doubles, it's kind of more like bam, bam, bam. You know, you're kind of, like, serving, and then mm-hmm. your, your partner's looking to poach or, or whatever. You're, you're just kind of – if you hit down the line, like, usually – it's like the end of the point that like you either hit a winner you miss or they vo- they volley it right away you know and in yeah. singles you have to construct more you have to mm-hmm. think more yeah, you can use different variety you can slice because obviously in doubles if you like try to slice you're not going to get too far <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. like um there's no like drop shotting like just drop volleying but you know I, I mean I miss just like playing the whole court and using all my variety and stuff like that because I you know I've always enjoyed doing that
0: yeah, for sure. I appreciate those uh, those tips there. And uh, when you play doubles, I mean, with Sophie or with anyone, I mean, yeah. I, I did see some of your match uh, last year at the City Open, and we definitely missed you this oh, yeah. year. Um, but like, w- are you? Would you say you're mostly serving and volleying, or are you playing to back a, a good amount as well?
1: I don't usually serve and volley. Um, usually, when I'm playing with Sophie, we look to see you know i mean depending on how our opponents are returning we look to see where like a weak spot may be and then if she can poach or look to knock off the volley that's kind of our like go to you know what i mean that's what we want to look to do and when we're playing well we're, we feel like we're doing that a ton so um yeah i don't serve in volley sophie doesn't serve in volley too much um that is something that i want to try to mix in um but i feel like in the women's game you won't see it as much as in the guys because the women um, their returns are so good; they stand pretty much like on the baseline to return, and the ball's back <laughs> at you before you know it. You know, yeah. so like if you're trying to come in, like you better be like really fast in there. You know.
0: Yeah, very true. I mean, I, I remember even interviewing uh Dennis Kudla last year um after a doubles match like him and TFO uh Francis played and uh he I asked him about like two back because they were playing a lot of two back and he just said you yeah. know in today's game like especially with the rackets like you can be very su- uh, successful even with with two back so oh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah so that makes a lot of sense um also curious like as far as Kind of your your habits. Like do you have a morning and or a night routine? And if so, could you kinda of talk to us about that?
1: Like at tournaments you mean?
0: Um or yeah, Well, gonna... actually let's go with non tournament days. So just like your okay. normal practice days.
1: Um, okay. Um Usually I don't really keep any food in my apartment so I'm like yeah. a big like Starbucks fan oh, <laughs> it <me> sounds <laughs> that sounds like not the best but I can't help it <laughs> so um, usually I go there for breakfast and just get like you know oatmeal and you know like the, the yogurt and fruit and whatever and that's kind of like my quick on the way to practice type of ritual
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then I'll have like probably... If I have a week or two before my next tournament, I'll do maybe like two hour and a half hits, do fitness, and then some sort of like injury prevention stuff, you know, whether that be like rehab, like prehab exercises, mm-hmm. you know, foam roll, everything, you know, that whole deal, and like stretch, and then I'll come home pretty tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said before, I don't, I'm i not usually one to, like, go out and, like, you know, hit the town or whatever. Like, I'm pretty, you know, spent by then. So, yeah, I kind of just, like, chill out and, like, Netflix is my friend.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Actually, I remember, I think it was last year's uh, player party. I was like, hey, Sophie, like, where's Alex at? And she was like, oh, she's just chilling. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, that's cool. <laughs> but, uh, no, I know where you're coming from because I'm, I'm the same, like, most of my weekends are spent like just relaxing or, you know, just working on like tennis stuff. So yeah, um, I hear you on that. Um, and, and as far as like your uh, routine too, like I, I, I apologize, I know, I know you mentioned you had the two hour and a half sessions, like how, how frequently uh, a week, like do you uh, work on like uh, fitness in the gym?
1: Um, usually I have. I mean, I have a, a weight day. Like I'll do weights one, one day. Mm-hmm. The next day, I'll I'll run. The next day, I'll do like kind of on court. Maybe it's, like specific footwork stuff, or like um, restricted sprints, or um, you know, like just ladder drills. You know, just kind of on court, like quick things, or like mm-hmm. quick sprints and stuff like that. And I'll kind of rotate that cycle, like just constantly. Nice and. If I have a tournament um, coming up, maybe I'll just focus on something more specific rather than, like, just beat myself up doing the same thing that I would do if I had, like, a training block. Because I don't want to, like, just overwork and feel burned out by the time the tournament starts. Because I think if you can kind of keep that balance of, like, keeping yourself feeling sharp and strong but not overworked, you know, you kind of always want to feel like, okay, I can do a little more. I Mm -hmm. think that's, like, the optimum state to, to be in. Um, cause you don't want to go out after training, go out the next day and you already feel spent before you, you even start hitting. That's not, you're not going to play your best that day. I yeah. guarantee you that. So I think, yeah, that's kind of like, I think it's one of the most important things for a tennis players is managing that because staying healthy is the number one thing, like hands down, especially, you know, nowadays with how physical tennis is. I mean, if you can balance your, your training, um, and work smart rather than just hard, you know, you, you've already you know, that's half the battle.
0: Yeah, for sure. Appreciate that advice there. And uh Alex, I, I you mentioned um briefly the uh, restricted sprints. I was just wondering what that means.
1: Um, it's kinda of, you know like the um it'll it could be whether like a parachute, you know, like oh. you tie it around and like you're sprinting and has that like um that lag behind you. Mm-hmm. Or there's you can do it with like just like bands too. Like there's this like you just this velcro thing around your waist that have it these um like little slinky things, <laughs> I don't know what they're called, like springs, but like they're, yeah. they're really tough to run against. And then you just you sprint, and then there's someone holding it back, and then they like let it go, and then you feel like you're like Usain Bolt. So that's that's what that's like. But um, yeah, it's really good.
0: Nice, nice. One time I was training somebody, and I actually just released a pit bull, and I told them to sprint, and uh, I never heard back from him again. So I don't. I, don't, I think that's restricted sprints too, right? <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: that would qualify. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right,
0: sweet. Excellent. I'll keep doing that then. Uh, cool. Uh, and, and so as far as like looking ahead to uh, to to your tennis career, like do you have any like current goals that you've written down or maybe just in your head like for the next like three to six months or, or even a year?
1: Yeah, Um for my like ranking goals, um, I try not to do that too much because I don't really feel like that's like the healthiest way to play your best. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's the same with worrying about like if you have ranking points coming off with like your yearly what you're defending points wise. I think that's not a recipe to play your best. You're just gonna feel pressure there. But I, I have like stuff that I want to achieve in my mind. Like I I want to be able to play grand slams um mm-hmm. i'm obviously closer to doing that in doubles than i am singles as of now um but last by the end of last year i was 130 in doubles and um, dropped a little bit from there um but if i can get in the top 100 that would be a huge achievement for me mm-hmm. um but i think more importantly than that i just you just i think it's best to focus on just improving every day just improving something little just one thing and then I think the ranking and, and your your success will take care of itself if you just keep that, you know, that mindset, you know, because it's so easy to to kind of fall off that if you're you're not doing your best or something. But if you just, I think that's kind of um, the number one thing to to achieving your goals is almost to not worry about it as much. Just focus on your game and improving, and then it will take care of itself.
0: Yeah, I, I really love that you said that, and I appreciate it because um, it's kind of funny. I just got an email yesterday from I think it was Miyako. I just somehow remembered her name, but she was asking me like, "Oh, do you do you pay attention to like the UTR rankings? Oh, right. and, yeah, and do you like do you look at it like for every opponent? And like I'm trying to get to a four o from a three o, and I said, you know, it's it's fine to to sometimes check those out and and check out yeah. the like the history of the player and their matches, but like I would just try to focus more on like improving yourself and not worrying like a ton about, uh, USCA ratings and all that oh. and UTR ratings, you know, because I think. Uh-huh. Uh, people are like sometimes over obsessive about that. And, and, uh, they put too much pressure on themselves instead of just improving like the parts of their game that, that would help them the most. So, um, yeah. yeah, yes. I really appreciate that there that you mentioned that. Um, and so you, you talked a little bit about you know that you're training uh, more for singles uh, these days or at least adding uh, components to your training that would help you with yeah. singles. But what what maybe other things are you currently working on in your game that you've identified to help you reach the next level?
1: Um, I think the number one thing that I would like to see improved is just I want to bring like consistency to my performances more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like I have like some great days or great tournaments and I, I'm really feeling it that, you know, during that time I'm like, yeah, you know, like this is it, you know, I'm feeling great. Like, like, let's keep it rolling. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, I, maybe the next day, the next week or, or two weeks on, like I, I won't be feeling as good. And I'll kind of like, you know not play as well and then i'm just looking like okay well what's different what's different like what you know what? how can i get back to feeling like i did you know two weeks ago and i think mm-hmm. if you just kind of believe that believe in your game what you're working on rather than like kind of searching for like this magic feeling you know yeah. um then I, that that's a better way to, to approach it but yeah i think just consistency in my performance i want to bring day to day like i know you're not going to play your best every single day and every single match that's unrealistic but just you know that my that my lows aren't as low and they, it can kind of you know, just be at like a level that I'm just, that I'm happy with like every every day, every match, you know, I'm fluctuating obviously a little bit but not to a level where I was I'm like, okay, I'm not happy with that, you know.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and when you talk about like more consistency, uh, that I mean, that's something that like all of us struggle with and, you know, a lot of the, I'd say yeah. maybe three O's to five O's that are listening here as well. Like, do you think that's, uh, and you mentioned a bit of the mental side, but do you think that's like mostly a mental thing or is that like uh, developing the skill sets to to have like a higher low point, I guess, with, the, with that? Or um, do you think it's like, uh like routines or like what do you think that mostly is that you you need to that would help you improve with consistency?
1: I think um, if you've put in the work um, before the tournament and you feel sharp and you know that you have a lot of hard work behind you, then I think it's it's more mental okay um, because you know you've put in the work and you' you obviously have these skills. But if you haven't, whether, if you're coming back from an injury and you know you're a little bit rusty or you don't have the matches behind you, you're not tournament tough, then it can be physical too, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you just don't have the, the reps in. So I think, yeah, I think it can be either, but it, it depends on like what was leading up to it. Yeah,
0: no, that's, that's good stuff there. Um, and so, Alex, like obviously everybody has some sort of low point in their career and then... They've bounced back. So what would you identify as maybe your lowest point in your career and how were you able to uh, you know, rise from that and get back on track?
1: Um, when I was, let me think, I think I was just about to turn 18 and then what that means is you can play a full unrestricted amount of tournaments as a WTA player. Mm-hmm. There's no more age restriction. And I got, I injured my my left wrist, and I have a two-handed backhand. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had no idea what it was. I just thought it was just, oh, it's just sore, it's just tendonitis. And I went to probably five or six orthopedists, um, and they told me that it was just tendonitis just to, to ice it, rest it six weeks, and that process went on for about eight months. Um, wow. and I knew in the back of my mind that it wasn't just tendonitis because as a player, you can tell when something is more serious than that. Um, and I mean, it gets, I couldn't even like lift a fork with my left hand. I couldn't brush wow. my teeth. I couldn't, it was incredibly painful. And, um, it was a, kind of like a stroke of luck that, um, there was a, uh, a USTA coach who was working, for, working for them at the time. His name was, uh, Wade McGuire. And he, um, told me about a wrist doctor who just specializes only in hand and wrist up in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and that a couple of players had uh, had gone up to see. And I was like, you know, I'll try, do anything at this point, honestly. Um, so I went up there and I got an appointment. I saw this guy and I was scared. Of, I never had a surgery in my life, so I was like terrified. And I went in for a consult and um, he said, okay, this is what you have. You tore this, this uh, ligament here. And, um, we can have a third, you can have surgery at like 6am the next morning and you can never have a problem with that wrist ever again. And you can play like right afterward, like, you know, (laughs) he's like the pain will stop you because you're recovering (laughs) from a surgery, but you know, obviously like it's, it'll be fine then, you know what I mean? He's like, or or you, you don't have to, you can think about it, but I promise you, you will never, ever be pain free again. And that's what will end your career if you don't have like the surgery. And I was, like, all of a sudden I felt, like, I was, like, scared, but I felt, like, amazing and, like, super, like, I, I mean, I, that was a really low time for me because I couldn't play, like, basically for almost a year at, like, a critical time in my um, yeah. development. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I had I had the surgery the next morning and I was on my way to hitting backhands again. <laughs> wow. But um, it, was, it was just crazy because I went to, like, you know, super well-known, like, orthopedists and... <laughs> You know, and I had MRIs and X-rays and everything, and they were telling me that it was something that was just gonna go away. And then I went up there, and with just a physical exam, not even any sort of like imaging or anything. Like he's like, "All right, this is what it is." He was like that. He's like on it, you know. And I was like, "This dude knows," you know. Like (laughs) I trust him, and I was like, "You know, how do you know?" Like you know what I mean? You have like it's a gut feeling. I'm like, "All right, this is it," you know. And I and I knew that I wasn't gonna be able to play again if I didn't like have it done, and that was enough for me right there.
0: Wow, I'm so glad that you found him. I I need you to mail me his uh, his card right away. Yeah, for but sure. um I mean that's that's crazy. Like if if I would have been there and the guys like, "Oh yeah, we we can have surgery the next morning and you'll be able to play like right after." I would have been like, "What kind of sorcery is this?" But <laughs>
1: No, right. Like you was like, I mean, I had like a like a big bandage on like right after obviously mm-hmm. and that lasted for like I don't know 5 days. It wasn't even like a big yeah thing he took it off i had stitches still obviously mm-hmm. and he's like okay right now I, it was obviously super sore after you know how after you can't even like move it but sure. he's like the pain will limit you with whatever you're doing obviously because of you know what the trauma of it but mm-hmm. he's like if you can go out and like chop down a tree he's like that's like the best thing for it he's like the more you do like the quicker it will heal wow it's so weird yeah
0: <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Well, I'm really glad that you found him and, you know, another lesson in persistence, you know, like if, you know, you just, you would have, you would do anything to, to heal it. And so you, uh, you know, you found, found the solution there. Uh, love that. And, uh, you know, you, you've been to a ton of tournaments, of course, as a uh, WTA professional. So can you maybe think about and tell us about like a crazy tournament experience that you've had, like whether it's like a... Something weird with the facilities, or like weird scheduling, or like a crazy match experience. Um,
1: hmm. one jumps to mind. Um, I played a a grade four ITF junior in Jamaica mm. in July, and it was hotter than any place I've ever been in my life. But mm. I was, um, like I think I was like fourteen, and. I didn't really fully know how much I needed to hydrate in that type of situation. Uh. Uh, yeah. So like <laughs> it was, um, it was in Kingston. I remember it wasn't, I mean, I don't remember the name of the club or anything, but so I like full body cramped for the first time. I've never cramped before full body cramped. Uh. Um, and the hotel was across the street from the club. So I was just, I had to default, I think maybe I don't remember. And then I was walking, Across the street, and I just like collapsed in the street, like full Jeez. body cramping.
0: <laughs> wow,
1: it was terrible! Wow, like, yeah, so, um, that was, yeah, that was like not the best.
0: <laughs> wow, yeah, that's so now,
1: uh... yeah, now I like overhydrate. Just I have like a <laughs> traumatic experience in that. I'm just like, I don't care, like, I'm just like overhydrating this constantly now because I just think of that.
0: <laughs> there you go, learned your lesson, yeah. <laughs> Wow, but especially as a 14-year-old full-body cramp, that's, that's insane. Yeah, I, uh, it's it's funny, too, because I was at a USDA sectionals tournament a few weeks ago, and then one of my teammates was playing another guy, and it was basically a, a third-set tie break to like, see who would go to nationals, and then... The opponent, like, at, I think it was, like, 8, no, 9, 7 or something like that, or 9, 8. Like, the guy, he he goes up and hits an overhead, hits the winner and wins the match, but, like, he immediately falls down in a full body cramp as well. No. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty brutal, but um, you know, part of me was obviously feeling for him, but the other half was like, "Damn it, why didn't he miss that?" <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So, but you know, kudos to you, Alex. Uh, his name was <laughs> Alex as well. So, um, yeah. So, uh, cool. Well, thanks for sharing that uh, that crazy memory. Um, well,
1: there's there's another thing like the same trip. Can oh, I nice. like can I? Okay. Like, <laughs> I got a, a um from the airport. We landed firstly we flew from miami to jamaica and it was the most turbulent flight of all time which i hate like i don't mind Mm. flying but like i hate turbulence like sure i know it's fully safe and everything like the plane like they can handle it but i just i just hate it so um and like the oxygen things like fell down like it was just terrible (laughs) oh man (laughs) so like we land right Mm -hmm. and like they're like okay like on the on the speaker they're like okay nobody get up we have to come in and disinfect the plane whatever that means oh. so like what could have happened in the air right whatever so like uh, someone comes in with a can of lysol and what? just like sp- yeah and just sprays everyone's feet like just sprays in the foot area of everyone like all the aisles <laughs> and like we're just sitting and they just walk out and they're like okay fine like you're, you're fine now so all right okay uh, yeah. so like we get out of the plane and we have like a, a cab i guess from to the hotel
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like he had um he opens the doors and like okay puts our luggage in and get in he has to bungee the whole car to keep the doors shut
0: oh god
1: like it's like i should have known right like this trip was not going to end well like it's just like all the things like as soon as we get there just like the weirdest thing of all time
0: yeah i think you're familiar with the phrase "Jamaican making me crazy i think that's what you experienced <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, wow. Thanks again. No. <laughs> good, good stuff. I'm glad you survived that tournament. It's really, uh, really something. But uh, yeah, crazy stuff. And so you, you mentioned that you actually enjoy uh, traveling, which is uh, fantastic, because obviously, you have to travel so much around the world. So I was wondering, like, if you have any travel hacks as far as like things that you do to, to stay comfortable when you're traveling?
1: um yes i always have instant coffee with me whoa (laughs) yes i am um (laughs) because like sometimes you know you don't have you know coffee makers accessible and whatnot but you always have instant coffee in your bag and your sets but i only drink decaf so
0: oh interesting okay so you're always only decaf always okay
1: i didn't used to be now i am (laughs)
0: Okay, you know, that is so funny because I was recently thinking that I might have to do decaf too because there's been a few nights where... I had coffee like after lunch, just to kind of wake up at work and all that, and then like I wouldn't be able to sleep. Uh, I see
1: where I've fully been there.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really, really annoying. So, uh, I might have to do that. Uh, Interesting. Okay, and uh, I mean, do you bring Starbucks brand with you, or is it like whatever brand? No,
1: not really. Kind of like it's just like Nescafe or whatever. Like I don't, I'm not a coffee (laughs) snob at all. Like I'll just, I, I actually prefer instant to like these fancy whatever. Uh,
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay, and, and then, oh, go ahead, sorry.
1: Um. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not, like, um. I don't even need to be, be, like, super comfortable. Like, I'll stay, like, kind of, you know, if, if it's, like, a unique hotel or something, like, a little weird that's not, like, a chain hotel, like, I'm all about that. You mm-hmm. know, like, I, I like to experience, you know, the place. You know, I don't need to, mm-hmm. to find, like, a, you know, Holiday Inn or something when I'm in, like, a somewhere where I could stay at, like, a little, you know, Airbnb or, like, bed and breakfast and kind of have, like kind of a more authentic experience i think
0: yeah. that's more fun cool yeah no that makes a lot of sense like i i guess for whatever reason your comment kind of makes me think to your instagram you have a lot of really cool photos and like uh, really different places from a lot of other players and uh like record stores and stuff and
1: oh, uh, yeah
0: yeah and it seems like you're you're really about the experiences so good that's that's awesome um Okay, this is probably one of the toughest questions that I ask on this podcast. Really makes nope. the guests think. So I am just blabbering a bit to let you prepare. Okay, so here's a question: What are three things that most of the world doesn't know about Alexandra Mueller?
1: Hmm. <laughs> um, I am a huge like heavy metal fan.
0: Mm, I
1: knew that. <laughs> do what? Oh, sorry. I said I
0: I knew that from you knew that. Molly. Okay, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, also, my um, Instagram name uh, Kenton Mueller can be kind of confusing for some people, but yes. Kenton is is my middle name.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Damn, I, that was one of my questions. Actually,
1: I was going to ask <laughs> you that next. Yep. Um, and I had recently, um, I was an owner of a hairless cat oh. who recently passed away. Oh no. I know but he
0: uh, was this hard. Oh, do you think you might get a, a new one anytime soon? Yeah, cool. <laughs> yes, cool. That's perfect. Sorry, oh. that was like a terrible <laughs> pun. <laughs> I'm full of them. Full of them. Sorry. Um, cool. Well, that's that's definitely uh very interesting stuff. Uh, it's always great to learn uh interesting factoids about the guests. Um, okay, so about your equipment, I'm curious. What racket strings and tension that uh, you use?
1: Okay, um, I use a Babolat Pure Drive Plus in mm-hmm. a quarter grip size, which mm-hmm. is smaller than most people would mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Um, strings, I use Laser Fiber um, mm-hmm. JB100, the uh-huh. James Blake one, and tension 58 usually. Um, okay. I'll change it depending on. Like if I'm playing in altitude or if it's like super humid or um, the air is lighter like out like it is out in California and the ball tends to fly, you know, let's string it tighter. Indoors I'll string tighter. Altitude, you go way tighter. But if it's like a clay court that can get super wet, super humid, the balls get really heavy, you want to string a lot looser.
0: Awesome. That's actually yeah. that's great advice. Appreciate that. And um as far as the the grip you mentioned a quarter that's uh you're smarter than most like why do you like the quarter grip?
1: Um I like that because when I when I'm hitting my forehand well and what feels good to me is when I can really let the racket head um like whip, you know? Mm-hmm. I can kind of let it lag in my wrist and then just like whip it up really quick. I mean, Nadal does the same yeah. thing. I'm not comparing myself to Nadal, but um you you get the idea I'm like his fore, he he a super small grip too, I think. But it's yeah. like he just uses, it, uses his hand a lot, and I like to use my hand. I like to, you know, use spins and create angles. And on my kick serve, it helps um, to have that lag, you know, kind of. So I like that, mm-hmm. the the way. Um, and I have a lot of lead tape up at the the top of my racket, too. So I like to have a head-heavy racket with basically no weight in the handle. So I like to mm-hmm. feel that, like, um, that, that lag and that, like, get that leverage with that.
0: Ooh, I like it. So how much lead tape are you using right now?
1: I don't know gram wise, but it's probably like mm, five inches long. Okay. It's a lot. Like it'll be like yeah, like on each on both sides, you know. So like, and I just put it on um at like starting at like three o'clock and and nine o'clock, and it'll just expand from there. Like it's not up at the top really. Like it's just on the sides.
0: Awesome. And uh, yeah, that's funny. You mentioned laser fiber because I actually I had a match yesterday at, at Rock Creek for a government league. Um, yeah. and, uh, I was talking with the player who I played against who's actually a good friend of mine, Chris, and he mentioned that I should really try <laughs> the JB laser fiber. Cause that's yeah, what he's using.
1: Tough. Yeah. So, no, that, I, re, yeah, recently, um, I switched to that. I was using, um, Luxalon, um, ALU power, which yeah. is pretty well known and laser fiber contact me. And, um, asked if I wanted to try out their stuff and I was like yeah you know and I I gave it a shot and I just I loved it you know it's a little softer but it still has that um that poly feeling of like you know this this is like it has like that explosive power to it but like Mm -hmm. it's not as harsh as Luxalon like so I, I like that a lot and they're they're really awesome and they you know they hooked me up so no I'm very excited about that
0: sweet there you go there's a shout out from uh, for laser fiber nice Whoa. and uh, <laughs> and uh also just curious like have you ever played with um with yeah. hyper G like I'm wondering like what what string you might like equate the the laser fiber
1: to I've tried that yeah it's it, that's really good too I know it's super popular uh, I just I, I mean I think it's, it's I would say it's pretty similar I mean polyesters are all you know in the same family it's just some yeah. are softer some are are harsher some have like edges to them you know that give you more spin if you're if you like that um but yeah like that's that's really good too it's you know tons of players are using silenco nowadays i know i think sophie uses it I think, yeah
0: nice nice and I, I i forgot if you're friends with henry but he uses it too
1: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. for sure i know he's like a big Solenko guy
0: he is yeah he is yeah <laughs> I, I think he mentioned he wants to uh, wants to hook me up with the uh, the rep. I forgot his name already, but um, yeah. Oh,
1: um, Norman, 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 Norman.
0: Yeah, yeah. He said Norman's a really cool guy. Um, yeah, yes. Well, there's another shout out there. Uh, good stuff. Well, good to know that. Uh, and with Sophie. So Sophie is uh, obviously has been on the podcast, a uh, really cool person and a great player as well. So wait, what is it about you and Sophie that makes you such great partners?
1: Well, firstly, our team name is Soflex, if you yep. didn't know.
0: I know. For sure. Okay. I I voted Um, for that. Did you? (laughs) I did. Yeah.
1: The other option was Alfie, and we just weren't feeling (laughs) that. Yeah. 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 But I think um, we're both, you know, tall girls, and we have an aggressive mindset when we when we go on the court. We want to, you know, attack and serve big, and look to, you know, kind of blanket the net and like knock off volleys and Mm -hmm. return big, and that's what we want to do. So I think when we're clicking together, we feel like you know, we're really clicking. So that, and that's, that feels awesome. And, um, I think we're such good friends too, that when we're playing together and if we feel one of us is struggling with something, like we know each other so well, like we're able to pick each other up and kind of say what we need to, to one another to, um, help, you know, get us where we want to be, but not, you know, I mean, everyone has played with people who like if you don't mesh well, like you can kind of not really feel comfortable out there, and if yeah. like, or if your partner getting mad at you if you miss, like I mean that's not the best. <laughs> so I'm, <mean>, I <laughs> yeah. No, it's happened. Like you know, it's happened to everyone, but um, yeah. So I think like we're such good friends that we we're just so comfortable with one another. So it's it's um, I think that's it's great.
0: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean you guys are it seems like great friends and uh, enjoy it. So that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean when you and said also,
1: I'm oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead um we're able like you know geographically i mean we live an hour and a half from each other so you know we're able to get together whether she come up and you know train with me or i go down there and practice at at suburban with um with with ross also down there i mean sometimes we can all do double drills together and and um really do that and, and some partners aren't able to do that you know because they just don't live near, near each other so I think that helps us a lot and we can kind of work on how to like you know progress as a team and what we need to do and um, we we watch videos together of our matches and like you know ones we played well in ones we didn't play well in and see where we can improve so that's that's super helpful too
0: awesome yeah shout out to Ross as well uh yeah I've, I've uh, met him a few times nice guy and uh yeah that's great I mean I, I think I'm like 45 minutes from Suburban I'm in Maryland as well yeah. so yeah, oh, cool. yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a great state. <laughs> Pennsylvania's yes. cool too, though. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and so, like, uh, with doubles plays, I also like to, to kind of help uh, the audience with their, do- their doubles game. Um, can you tell us, like, maybe just a couple of your favorite, like, uh, standard doubles plays that you like to use?
1: Yeah. Um, I play When I'm playing with Sophie, I'm playing in the deuce court. Uh, mm-hmm. That's my side. Me too. So I... If I'm playing a player, and whether I'm have returned or served cross court, and if I'm playing someone who just wants to rally cross court, like they don't want to come in, they don't want to have anything to do with the net, Mm -hmm. and I want to figure out a way to win the point, I don't want to just have a cross court practice. (laughs) So I think good play is to lob the net person um, Mm -hmm. and then come in behind that, um, because then the, assuming you get a successful lob over the net player, Mm -hmm. the player in the the deuce court that you you were rallying with they have to run over if they're right-handed hit a high backhand off that lob and you're both at the net Mm. looking to hit like an easy overhead i mean that's Mm. that's what you're looking for there because that's a tough shot um if you hit a good lob that's a tough shot to hit a high backhand on the run successful lob back over us or like a make us hit a tough volley that's that's a really tough play so i think that can be a good way to get out of a cross court rally um, mm-hmm. whether they're just like a pusher or if you are playing somebody who maybe has better ground strokes than you and you don't want to rally with them and you want to see where you can pick them apart. That's not on the ground. So I think that's a good play there. Mm-hmm. I also think, um, in terms of like plan poaches and stuff like that, if you're having trouble holding serve, if the, your opponents um, are returning really well, I think you can say something like, um, You know, I'll serve here and you go here. I'll serve here, you go on the second shot. You can plan exactly when you want your partner to cross. And I think rather than just looking and just crossing when feels comfortable, which if you're playing, you know, good players, sometimes that's difficult. Or if you're returning, you could say, if I make a good return, you cross all the way. You know, it can kind of, and even if it's not successful every time, you can kind of um, make your opponent, it just gets in their head, like, okay, the, they're not gonna just stay in their position all the time. They might move, and they, mm-hmm. you know, you can draw some errors, or at least draw some maybe mishits or weaker shots. Or you know, the opponent can press a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and you can kind of get you know, make them feel uncomfortable.
0: Sure. Yeah. No, awesome. Those are awesome, uh, awesome strategies. I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as far as like the lob, I guess, because c- you're making them hit a high back end, I assume they're usually topspin lobs then?
1: Yeah. I mean, usually um, that would, I would assume in that scenario, that's what you would go to because yeah. the ball is bouncing high because I, I would have hit a lob of so bouncing high. It would be too much to try to, you know, slice that and get that low. So you know, I guess you would you would try have to try to go for a toss in one, but either way, I think it's a difficult position to be in. Um, yeah. So I guess yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do.
0: Awesome, love it, love it. That that would be actually a great drill for uh, double teams to practice. Um, yeah. So so as far as like volleying, uh, I know a lot of players have trouble with their volleys, of course. So what, in your uh, estimation, I guess if that's the word, uh, is the key to a great volley?
1: I think. Um, number one is hands out in front. You don't want you know your ready position out in front, but you don't want your racket head going behind your ear on either mm-hmm. side, whether it be forehand or backhand. So what you want to do is have your ready position out in front, and when you the ball is coming to you, you go toward it, just kind of straight forward and like a, a little bit on the diagonal. You lay your wrist back, but you don't take your make sure your racket head doesn't go behind your right ear on your forehand volley, your left ear on your backhand volley. Or you know, you yeah. your lefty the opposite? Um, and just just and sometimes it can help you to get power on your volley by just instead of just stepping. You know, you can practice like kind of doing like a little bit of like a stomp with your foot because mm-hmm. then it can just make it more of like a a crisp um, like put away volley rather without taking a big swing. Mm. You know, some people think they need to take a bigger swing to get power, and that's not the case. Sure, just wow. kind of Use, like, use your, your feet and your legs and your drive with your your step and just um, kind of really like stomp into the court like that. Mm-hmm. You can um, get a little extra on it.
0: Love that, love that. Great advice, appreciate that a lot. Um, all right, so switching a little bit to um, – like uh, exercises, like, are there, do you have a couple favorite exercises in the gym? And they could be like either, you know, like w- with weights or bands or, or mobility exercises or whatever that that you really enjoy that have helped you perform better on the court that you can think of?
1: Um, yeah, I think in terms of um, on-court performance, I think core strength is like a huge thing. And I, I do that every day. You can't really overdo that. I think, um, when you're, you're going for a wide ball, say, um, you want to make, you want to have a strong core because it can help you kind of get out of corners better with your feet. I know it sounds weird because you think, okay, that's leg strength. It is, but it's also, you don't want your, your, um, upper body collapsing when you're trying to to hit out of a corner you want to stay right really right in balance. if you picture like Novak Djokovic like he's mm-hmm. pretty much like this you know what I mean like he's mm-hmm. his leg like going like a Gumby but his <laughs> his core like it's like rock solid you know and yeah he's able to like stay so balanced and I think that's that's number one just an injury prevention too I mean it can shoulder injuries back injuries obviously mm-hmm. hip injuries it's all tied to to your core so um make sure you work on that you know and it's there's plenty of exercises for that, but, um, you know, I mean, even just a basic plank, I mean, you just hold it, you know, and then that's, that's a, that's just a basic one that, that you can do for that. Um, that's a major thing.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. The core strength is so important. Um, like you said, and, uh, one of my favorite, uh, ab exercises is actually what I call the donut crunch. So like I'll do when I, you know, I'll do a crunch and then somebody will hand me a donut and that just seems to keep me going forever. I mean, you
1: know, I, I can relate to that.
0: <laughs> can you? <laughs> what do you mean?
1: <laughs> okay, I there's like a donut place like not far from where I live that I like. It's far enough that's like it's a good thing that I don't go. But sure. um, it's it's just like unreal, and the, the vanilla cream donuts. I just uh, like I can't. Ooh, <laughs> it's, like insane.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes like you know, having treats like that, you could kind of set it as. Like a reward, like, oh, if I have a good practice, like like a I'll dog. get a donut. What's that? <laughs> like a dog?
1: I like a dog.
0: Hey, that's fine. I'll be a retriever <laughs> for a day <laughs> or every day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good stuff. I love donuts. Um, okay, so as far as like equipment, going back to that a bit, what are three things in your tennis bag that you can't live without?
1: Um, turn a grip. number one okay yes gotcha I've always used turning grip like forever I cannot use another grip and I don't want to but it's it's, like yeah that's number one nice and uh, what else um bobby pins oh
0: makes (laughs) sense makes Uh, sense
1: what else um Oh, and like um, pedialyte powder.
0: Aha! Excellent, yes. excellent. That makes sense. Yeah, actually, that's funny. So you answered my next question because I I was thinking back uh, for whatever reason when, to the full body cramp, and I was going to ask you like what you <laughs> what you drink. So okay, so you. Uh, what's the mixture that you say that you like drink among like water, Pedialyte and maybe other sports drinks?
1: Usually when I go out on the court, if it's, if it's summer and it's, it's hot, I'll, I'll have like a, a wide variety. Like I'll have, mm-hmm. um, Pedialyte, I'll have, um, I'll have Gatorade. Um, I'll usually dilute it a little bit. Yeah. Sometimes it can be a little sickly, you know, if you're yeah. a little sickly sweet. So, and if I feel like um i'm losing a lot of water um through sweat like i'll have gator lights too which is made by gatorade but it's just basically it's like it just tastes like pure salt but you mix it in into your gatorade and um um, it prevents cramping and you know it it replaces what you lose through sweat and also coconut water i think is really good i really like that Mm. and
0: oh sorry go ahead
1: no, I'm um, go ahead. I was just thinking about what else I have in Oh,
0: there. oh, cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I was wondering. You was that Gator Light that you said?
1: Gator Lights, kind of like electrolytes, but like made by Gatorade. So.
0: Oh, huh. Yeah. Is that new or is has that been out?
1: No, it's it's been out a bit, but it's kind of like a a secret. Um, oh, secrets out. Online. Yeah, it is. I know. Oops. have the bag. But like, um, yeah, you can order it online and stuff through like, um, you know, I don't remember where exactly but if you search for it yeah you can get it but it's good stuff i mean it tastes do not mix it in water i made that mistake it is oh. disgusting like you drink like the ocean don't do that <laughs> <laughs> okay all right but if you yeah if you just mix it in like a regular gatorade it tastes great especially after you're sweating after sweating a lot it's just you don't even notice it you just like this is good stuff and it's, it's uh, like salty goodness and it's, it'll uh, help you out
0: you think maybe i could just put it on like my fries because you know you need salt with that so would that work you think
1: Dude, that would fully work.
0: Aha! Uh-huh. Okay, I thought you were gonna say, "Dude, fries- you're, you're insane," but that's good.
1: <laughs> fries are now um a wait. Should we pull- should we like have these on court though? Like by like the by um on- our our bag on the changeover. You just have fries mm-hmm. with like mm-hmm. Gator Lights on them.
0: Yeah, like, that would be
1: incredible. Only a new excuse to have fries.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to call you, uh, Well, I'll talk to you afterwards. We'll have to make this into a full-fledged business idea so we can get rich.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, no man. more lift bars or power bars.
0: Yeah, right. yeah, they're done. They're done now. They're probably scared <laughs> after listening to this. but uh, Good stuff. Uh, oh, and also, mm-hmm.
1: also a thing is like um, they sell it now. I- I've seen it at like drugstores and stuff. I've never tried it, but they, con- they have it in like little like um, mini – like shot forms like it's called like i forget what it's called but it's just pure pickle juice Oh, interesting! and that's that's, that's good for like you know electrolytes and cramping and stuff it's like mm-hmm. yeah that's like a new thing
0: yeah yeah one of my friends victor he like he was cramping bad and he just like had mustard packets and like pickle juice yeah. and somehow he survived but uh it was definitely not the best tasting uh good <laughs> good stuff all right I am going to okay I have a tennis pun for you even though I've already said a couple and you might cringe but I want you to rate this tennis pun from 1 through 10 10 being fantastic and 1 being horrible. Okay. All right. I'm I like ready. All right, here we go. I like my breakfast like my tennis grip, continental.
1: It's a 10. Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going to create this into uh, like quotes and uh, videos and, and just prove to everyone that I actually have good tennis fun. So thank you so much. I have much.
1: one. I have one. Go ahead. I like my breakfast, like I like my omelets, or but no, wait, that didn't make sense. I was gonna say, I was gonna say western, because like you had me thinking about grips.
0: Oh, man So close though. It,
1: we can kind of like make it, right? Like
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I like my I, breakfast, like my grips. What? No, I like um, my. Oh damn.
1: Omelets, like I like my tennis grips. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. There you go. Yeah, that's perfect. That's
0: perfect. No, well All done. Right. Well done. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Like you, you. Slow clap. The, slow clap. <laughs> I'll try to find like a, a audio clip <laughs> of a slow clap there, uh, not the sad violin slow clap. Uh, good stuff. Um, no, that that's great. Uh, I really like that pun. So I I, I was uh, mentioning that you have uh, a fantastic like a social media game and everything. Uh, I I one one question on that, like I'm curious, do you experience much? Uh, of like these crazy fans who like will try to tear you down and things like that like do you get much of that yeah okay okay so what uh, you know i'm sure of course like some people deal with it better than others so um and actually i think sophie just posted an ig story about like a a, yeah stupid (laughs) fan but um like how do you deal with that and how much does it affect you and how do you approach it
1: Um, I mean, I've seen players get some, like, vicious comments and messages that are not, you know, jokes. Like, it's just terrible. Um, I mean, I haven't had it that bad. It's mostly just people who have bet on my matches. And if (laughs) I've lost, I've lost the money, and that's it. I mean, they're they're just mad, and it's just, like, one message, and that's it. And sometimes it's funny because it's just, like, it makes no sense. But other times, if they're, like, if it's just, you know... It can be just, like, just lethal. I mean, it's, it's just terrible. So, um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, there's not really any way to control that. I think you just kind of have to, you know, put on all of your, you know, whenever it comes up, just immediately block and, yeah. you know, hope yeah. it doesn't happen again. But, um, yeah, I haven't had, had it too, too bad. I've had it um, frequently, but it's not, never been something that's been ongoing or harassing or anything like that. So I've been pretty lucky with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I think one way to do it is to just like uh, take a picture of yourself holding up a bunch of money and then just like send a picture of that anytime you get you know those those messages. I, I know. I think that would kind of troll the betters, but uh, I,
1: know. Y- I don't know if you've seen, but um, uh, you know, Christiane.
0: hmm Yeah, she did really well at the U.S. Open this
1: year. Yeah, she did amazing. But I saw yeah. on Twitter a few times she when she got a message like that, she would look on um the person whoever sent the message on their Instagram or on their Facebook or whatever and find, you know, whether it be like a friend or someone who was tagged in a photo with the person, like she would (laughs) reach out to that person and be like, Hey, like, I don't know if you know, but like, I saw you in like a video or uh, tagged with this person. I received this message and I just wanted you to like, you know what I mean? Like she would call them out and it was
0: awesome. Ooh, That's really good. Like
1: Girl, like you, you, you know, you know what I mean? you know like that's that's good stuff
0: wow that's really and, good stuff
1: yeah and the person right back and they like yeah I, this is unacceptable like i'll talk to them about it and like and it's it's you know i mean you, the person obviously like has some sort of you know issue doing that in the first place but you know if they can figure out a way not to do it i mean good you know
0: yeah exactly yeah it's just i don't know it's a lot of keyboard warrior-ing like yeah. you know they would never probably say that in person unless they're insane um but yeah, no, yeah. Th- thanks for sharing that um and yeah i mean it's it's really been a blast talking to you i really appreciate your time and i want people to uh, obviously like follow you and check you out uh, on on social media and, and whatnot and of course like in in live matches so uh actually first off let me ask you what uh what tournaments are you planning to play next
1: i have two weeks before or actually yeah I think almost uh, a little over a week before my next one is in Lubbock Texas I think Mm. it's um, I want to say Texas Tech but don't hold me to that I'm not really I'm not positive if if that's it but Mm -hmm. um, yeah so that one and then Templeton California is a a bigger tournament I think that's a 60k nice and I'll have three in a row in South Carolina there's Charleston Hilton Head and Florence Mm mm-hmm um, and then after that, I think there's, there's a couple in Canada that I might do, or there I'll say in the States and there's, um, I think Macon, Georgia, and I want to say Las Vegas and then uh, overlapping those are, are a couple in Canada. I'm not sure which ones I'm going to do yet, but I have a super busy fall coming up and I'm excited about it. Cause I'm going to try to play Like I said, singles and doubles in them. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I, I think when I was reading your uh, profile, like you, you usually do really well in Hilton Head, right? Like haven't you had like a few titles and, and whatnot?
1: Yeah, I I really enjoy playing there. It's um I don't know why. Just like, it's just super nice. Maybe, you know, like said, the people are are really cool. There's a beach right there. I mean, it's super low key. It's chill. It's awesome. I love it.
0: Yeah. Southern <laughs> charm. That's awesome. And uh, thanks for uh, letting us know. Uh, I mean, if obviously if people are in, in those towns or nearby, definitely uh, check out Alexandra's uh, matches there. So Alex, yeah. uh, where can we follow you on social media and, and what are your handles on there?
1: Um, My name is uh, the same for Twitter as it is Instagram. So it's Kenton Mueller, which is my middle and last name. Um, Mm -hmm. I do have a Facebook fan page, but I haven't updated it in quite some time. So I basically just use, I mean, Instagram is the main one that I use. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, if someone is looking to follow my stuff, that's kind of where my updates will be. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if, if Twitter is as big as it used to be. I haven't used that in a while either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I hear all the young whippersnappers are on this Instagram thing. So, yeah, no, I don't blame you. It's IG is really uh, blowing up these days. So
1: And I think like now that like, I mean, like Snapchat is basically done because of like Instagram story <laughs> stuff. I just yeah, like, you know what I mean, there's like nothing left for it.
0: Yeah, oh. yeah, it's kind of sad. But uh, who knows? Maybe they'll figure something out there. Uh, great stuff, Alex. So um, I, I always close with this one question. Uh, and you've given us a lot of great tips, uh, re- really insightful tips that will really be helpful for our players. So I really appreciate that. But what is one key tip that you can give us to help us improve our
1: tennis games? I think... The one thing I would say is to, no matter what you're working on, whether it be something just with your stroke or something with your footwork or something in the in the mental side of the game, no matter what you're doing, you have to make sure that you keep it fun um, and mm-hmm. find a way to work on what you're trying to to improve um, in a way that will make you look forward to like your practices, and um, you know, otherwise you're not going to uh, to to get where you want to be with whatever you're trying to try to improve because you're just going to get like frustrated or burned out with it. And you're not going to get the result that you want. So find a way to keep it fun, whether or not you have a coach that you work with and um, you can talk to he or she about different drills you can do and to kind of mix it up. And, and, um, you know, thinking back to when you were you were a kid and you started playing or even when you just started playing, even if you were an adult, you know, like why you did it. You did it because you enjoyed it and it was fun. You don't want your, um, you know, when you when you take the game more seriously, you don't want to lose that. And I think um, that that's that's important, even as a pro. It's what I look to do every day. You know, I want to look forward to my practices and um, I'm working hard, but I'm enjoying it. So I think that's number one.
0: Awesome stuff, Alex. Uh, really appreciate that advice. That's that's great advice. You definitely need to make sure that you're enjoying the sport. And uh, you know, part of that is, as you mentioned at the top of the show, just trying to remember. Um, you know, why you fell in love with it in the first place. So Alex, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you on the Tennis Files podcast and uh, I can't thank you enough for your time and hope to definitely uh, hopefully meet you in person uh, one of these days soon and uh, watch you play some tennis and kick some butt out there and definitely wishing you the best of luck moving forward and uh, I'm excited for you to to start play playing uh, more singles these days and uh, just uh, thanks again for coming on to the show
1: awesome thank you so much and thanks for having me it was fun
0: Anytime. Thanks, Alex. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. I really hope you enjoyed my interview with Alexandra Mueller. And uh, if you did enjoy my interview with Alex, uh, definitely highly encourage you to uh, follow her on Instagram. I think that's her main platform that she mentioned. So, uh, and I'm on there a lot as well. So, follow both of us and (laughs) we'd appreciate that. And I'd also really appreciate it too, after you follow us, follow us, uh, excuse me, if you'd like, uh, it would be really fantastic if you could subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast. And you can just simply do that by finding the subscribe button on the platform of your choice uh, that will enable you to receive uh, all of the episodes uh, straight to the device that you're using. So they'll be downloaded immediately after I publish them. Uh, So, it's much easier to to listen to the show than to have to search for it each time. So, that would be great. And it would also give more visibility to the podcast and help a lot more people improve their games. Awesome stuff. Uh, And uh, any links that we mention on the show, uh, uh, sorry, any links that we mention on the show will, of course, be on the show notes page. And for this episode, it'll be at tennisfiles.com slash 111. I hope you really enjoyed the puns today. I think I broke a lot more out than usual, and Alex even broke out a pun of hers. That was a great, great one. Uh, kind of makes me want to eat Western omelets for breakfast now. Probably do that soon. Um, also, I would just like to leave you with a quote, as I often like to do at the end of the show. A great one by Mahatma Gandhi, the legend. And Mahatma said, A person is but the product of their thoughts. What they think, they become. Very important one. Uh, you know, I play with with players who sometimes, well, not sometimes, but often they're saying negative things about themselves after they miss. And you know, you might be thinking about yourself negatively, but uh, just keep, you know, just get that positive, uh, get the positive vibes going, the positive language, the positive thoughts. Think of yourself highly. And, uh, you know, think about really productive things like your goals. And and like Alex said, try to go all in, find something that you're really passionate about. Um, I'm sure one of them is tennis. And and just go all in, you know, commit yourself to really improving and doing the best that you can. And I think you're going to enjoy your life a lot more than uh, getting distracted with all these things these days out there and wasting your time. So, Uh, That's uh, my words of wisdom as a a fruit of the quote from uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Thank you for that great wisdom. All right, well, we have reached the end of this episode, and uh, again, I really do appreciate all of your fantastic uh, comments, reviews, messages, emails. I got a lot of great emails from you because I recently emailed out that uh, the Tennis Files podcast has joined the Tennis. uh, Excuse me. the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Really an honor to join it. It launched a couple weeks ago, and uh, by the way, of course, you definitely need to check out all the great podcasts on there, and you can do that at tennisfiles.com/tcpn. So, all right, with that, thank you so much for all your support once again, and for listening to today's episode. And I will see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Take care.
1: Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.